Welcome, everybody, to the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave, and I'm moving my chair up a little bit Yeah, here. you can do that. Yes. Yeah, so I'm in a good spot. Still getting I used to the... I can see everything, and we're good to go, man. Yes. All good stuff. So, yeah, we're st- uh, still uh, getting used to the uh, what I did in here in the in the studio situation anyway. But, yeah, we're here. We're live, uh, back to normal um, after all the uh, stuff. But, yeah, Dave has been going through some fun issues, so it's awesome to have him here tonight so glad to be here man (laughs) i am very glad let's see uh i left here last monday went to the doctor tuesday morning and went directly to the hospital and spent tuesday night wednesday night and then they ushered me out the door as quickly as they could on thursday i still wasn't actually feeling very well but that's how it goes i was actually feeling worse when i left than when i came but uh i guess that's one of the way things go sometime i I don't know it's like he's here and we get we do what we do and then like i get up the next day i get on facebook and uh see like people like talking about them and stuff i'm like oh man i <laughs> i'm totally disconnected from that situation so yeah but it's a good thing that uh he is here in the flesh tonight very and, thankful uh, for everyone who yeah. prayed sent me messages and uh, posted encouraging things it was awesome to get that and um just to give you a little update because it's uh, probably important so the issue is i have an infection in my bone in my big toe it is osteomyelitis which is not a good infection and uh, so i'm on a routine thank you lord for my amazing wife who Mm. administers antibiotics for an hour for me every day so all good stuff you might look at me and be like hey you don't look any different well i did wear long sleeves and covered up where my pick line is it doesn't look real real fun for brother i got to i got to see it on facetime it looked uh, pretty gnarly like all right here yeah yeah so it's good uh (laughs) but if you continue to pray for me that'd be great i'd appreciate it but i will get better and uh thankful for my church them praying for me very very thankful i'm a very fortunate pastor they were just uh crazy in um the way they encouraged and supported me and continue to do so and i even got to preach on sunday morning that's how Mm -hmm. good i was feeling so and we'll be back at first baptist buffalo at 11 a.m this week so we'll be meeting you're welcome to come i know you uh your church is is not still able to meet well (laughs) it was it was awesome though on uh this past sunday we uh since we have community groups yeah um, what we did is since I have a special community group where uh, our lead teaching pastor is in the group, yeah, he, I actually led worship, you know, with a guitar, and then he actually preached the sermon. And but oh, what okay. he did is he preached the sermon. But the, you know, in sermons you ask rhetorical questions, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's more of like take it home and then that's what you do in community group. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of that rhetorical stuff. Um, well, we actually got to do it right then and there. Way so cool. that was kind of a the kind of a cool aspect. But yeah, we had uh, I think we had right at twenty five people. And, and we were sitting in the front yard um, of the house, you know, and singing worship. It was a beautiful Sunday, um, sunny. Love it was it. a little chilly, but hey, we were all there, out there. A lady had an electric blanket, you know. It was, <laughs> it was, it was great, you know. You know that would have been you, my wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it, was, it was awesome to be able to do that. So, yeah, we, get, we, got, we did get to uh, convene with people and uh, have that, uh, just that worshipful connection of us actually being able to sing hymns. 
to one another and uh, do this in actual community. Because there, I mean, you can talk over the internet, but there's still yeah. just that missing something where you know if you're not together, you're not going to be mentally together either. So, but yeah, yeah it was wonderful. So we, yeah, we're getting we're getting back. Um, but uh, just you know, in light of just with with all the codes, you know, being graceful to that, but at the same time, you know, we do need to discuss um, those yeah, those issues get to do where, that here yeah, today. So yeah, where, um, where a little bit longer call show out. than normal. Yeah. A little bit of an extended deal that's what we started at yeah so our initial thing today was to do yeah. two shows and kind of have them separated to where we'd have a little bit of a time between them but we had the technical difficulties for some reason my output computer wasn't uh working to shoot anything out so we finally got that all solved so we're just going to do one fell swoop and we'll probably divide up the episode so you you know you guys on the podcast don't have to just have one really really long show <laughs> to to uh, save and pause and all that kind of stuff uh, so you'll get a couple of chunks but anyway we're still going to discuss the content um we did uh talk with andrea di lorenzo so there's yes. that pandemic that came out and yeah she had done a uh, little uh, response video to yes, that she had. like we had her on the show uh oh man it was within it was the, last year last yeah, year last probably year. around this time we had her on the show and if you don't uh don't remember she was uh part of the new age movement um actually had a lot of connections um the producer and director of the pandemic film was actually someone that she knows on a first known ba- name basis to my understanding and um she uh, had a great little response video we were going to have her on just to kind of talk about it there's a lot of things it seems uh, underlying it that is not based in a christian worldview that is very much based in a new age worldview and she was going to kind of point out some of those things um but unfortunately it didn't work out this week we will have her next week is yeah. what we decided so really looking forward to having her on um it'll be really really useful because that was a very popular video by then they might already have their second episode out. So if you want to kind of get the underlying presupposition and worldview that actually frames that entire video, which most Christians probably missed. I mean, I know I missed the first time. Someone who was part of the New Age movement saw it really clearly. Stephen Bancard actually even did a video on it. And um, Andrea, I think, would be a great voice. And so we'll yeah. connect you with her next so week. be next week. But yeah, so this uh, this week we wanted to sort of talk about a few things. Uh, civil disobedience. Uh, we wanted to also um, talk about another article from Russ Dean, which is a uh, buddy, Russ Dean. Yes, we talked about him before, so we're going to talk about him again, and so we'll get into those finer details when we get there, and then also talk about some more of the apologetical discussion. So within that, we get to start feeling a little bit like James White now, to where (laughs) where there's an ongoing discussion and somebody else blogging about us um, that we get to read what they think about us, and then talk about on the uh, the show. And we won't deal with the blog probably today, but maybe next week as well. So uh, really great writing. I thought it was fair treatment. Hope as we deal with Dr. Howell again that we're respectful, that we don't misrepresent him or oversimplify things, but try to just go to the heart of the issue. Uh, It was a great discussion and want to continue to um, focus on that idea and the concepts that were put forward because they're not something that we're just going to run away from. And I don't think that he would want us to. We want to be teachable people, and so we want to at least respond really fun. So with that said, Adam, take it away, man. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the first thing I want to talk about is civil disobedience. So, you know, we've come out of a season where um, people have been talking about, uh, especially in the Christian community, um, should we stand up to the government? Um, we've noticed 
this, this, and this. And, you know, you had uh, some of the, uh, what I would there say. There were 2,000 churches in California yeah. said that they are going to start meeting. They don't care yeah. what the government says. And I applaud them. Yes. I think they're right on. Yes. Yeah, well, there's that, you know, and even before then, you know, you had some of the, what we would say, the extreme position on this to where they, they really weren't caring about the health of people. Agreed. They were yeah. saying open and really it was extremely horrible theology too that was getting preached. So in a way there was justice for them, but at the same time, um, that was not the right way of doing things now. Yeah. God, again, we do believe that God uses sinful people, sinful desires to bring about his justice and his glory. That doesn't, uh, all, but that does not uh, get rid of the responsibility of the person that committed the injustice to clear out something in just that, you know, fighting fire with fire. Yeah. You know, just, just because injustice gets rid of injustice doesn't mean that first injustice is, you know, not bad anymore. It's still bad. So, you know, so when we're talking about this, yeah, I mean, you know, there was a, um, um, a little thing that I got, you know, I'm not going to mention any names. Um, there's no bad blood or anything, but there is, you know, continuing. Oh, you're not going to put the post up on there. Oh, oh I don't have the post oh, okay. up here. Gotcha. So yes, oh, sorry, we're going to deal with some articles basically. So, yeah, um, so, but this is from somebody I know, um, pastor and, uh, somebody that's leading his flock. And I think he's uh, doing a bang up job at leading his flock, but I thought this would be uh, something to uh, speak into the issue because I've also got another buddy that kind of his situation in life, um, it speaks into that and I'm sure it speaks into multiple people. So this but, is a pastor yeah. locally and we yeah. allow, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. I, and I'd so say that, yeah. This person posted this on Facebook. Is that correct? It, he's got a YouTube video. Um, but this is something that came through my email gotcha. um, that I got and read. And so uh, I had not watched the video, but I wanted to deal with what so it was hasn't written put out in the public the, domain. So, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. So his video is in the public domain. Um, but uh, right now I'm just kind of keeping it, here because like you know it's it's not that big of a deal but the, it, what happens here is you say i've got another friend um who in discipleship it's always like he, he seems to be i hear all these big things read your bible more do this do that more like he he has problems in his walk and all he's hearing are these big things and so what i want to say is like we talk in universals a lot and we will say we have a problem with the universal and then we get an answer with a universal it doesn't explain anything particularly and so you know this puts people into a tizzy well you know i'm getting do this do that do this but there's no particular like i'm looking for a particular direction gotcha and so you know to me is like does scripture give particulars that we need to be throwing out there instead of just talking in universals up here, mm -hmm. we need can, can we narrow it down can we narrow it down and so whenever we especially if you're a pastor wanting to lead your congregation through a time like this, whenever you're mm -hmm. seeing people stand up and go, Hey, you should civilly disobey. And then you've got congregation members going, well, I'm hearing disobey and then not disobey. Well, you know, disobey how, versus how should I be led? Yeah. yeah. How should and I so, be led? Yeah. And so, you know, here, um, you know, this is kind of what he's speaking into. And so, you know, he, he just gives this list of, um, things to understand whenever we're considering civil disobedience and i'll just spell them out he said we should be expecting um these kinds of difficult days uh, and decisions um too this is not a time for civil disobedience but being a model citizen first in heaven then on earth three this is a season that is all that is all it is four uh, fear should be expected from a, a expected response from all these people who do not do not know jesus Five, 
Um, thank God we haven't faced greater levels of crisis instead of trying to find blame because it isn't as bad as people expected. And six, we are citizens of heaven uh, who live on this earth. So let's act like it. So this first idea that we should yeah. expect these kind of difficult days and decisions. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I actually don't think the decisions are as difficult as is being said. Yeah. Right? And, so, like, and so like my thing would be like, well, um, are you speaking to people like me? Because I say civil disobedience is actually needed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, am I am, but am I, is it, is the premise that I'm not expecting days like these? I'm totally expecting. I get it from, I get that from scripture. Yeah. Amen. You know, I should expect these things. So this is, you know, whenever I say we need to civilly disobey, um, yeah, it's not, I, it's not because I am expect. it's because I am expecting it going. These things will happen. There I'm will not, be persecution. Yeah. There will be hardships. Yeah. There will be difficulties. There will be difficult things that put us into uh, positions where we're having to deal with things. Now, I will say, for me, it was not a difficult decision to say, hey, we are going to suspend meeting for services um, because we want to protect people. Now, we said indefinitely in a way, but also there's always been a timeline in our mind like, hey, there is a reasonable point where we need to look at the situation. We need to observe what's going on and make the decision like, hey, we're getting together or we're not, or how are we doing that, right? Because again, yeah. church does not happen when we're all over the place, even in these little as great uh, videos as your church has produced. Uh, fortunately, the church that I pastor has been able to produce, that's not corporate worship. That's yeah. not the gathered church, right? Yeah. And so there's a point where we have to say, no, we're going to meet anyways, no matter the fact that there is a threat of death. And we need to put a scriptural lens on what we're doing. I do think that there is a scriptural context that says, hey, we're going to protect people, right? For their own good. I think that that's okay. And I can tell you right now, that was not a decision because, oh man, the government told us not to meet. For us at First Baptist, it was, what can we do to protect our people so that we don't have people get sick? Well, here's the issue. As we observe things in our area, there's not a lot of people getting sick. And as we look at what has been said regarding social distance and regarding keeping our space between one another, there's certain measures that we can put into place so that we're still gathering, but we're also doing so in a wise way, right? Um, And so I think that you come to a point where you're like, well, if it's safe enough for me to go to the store, okay, there's a risk for me to go to the store. Guess what? Before COVID, there was a risk for you to go to the store. Anyways, if you got in your car and you drove, there was a risk that was acceptable. There were mitigating levels of risk that you took no matter what prior to this. Now, those levels of risk are going to be increased no matter what we do. If we go to the store, if we go to work, because everyone has to work, scripture says if you don't work, you don't eat, right? There's a level of risk each and every one of us have to take. Now we've been able to sit back, we've been able to look at things. Obviously, in our area in particular, they're not as bad. And so it would be foolish for us to not be wise in the way that we do meet, but I think it'd be foolish for us to not get together in some form or another. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the mitigating factor. And of course, Yes, there are difficult decisions, but we need to be wise and allow Scripture to give us discernment into those. So, yeah, we we agree completely with with, with the first point. Yeah, so then it goes on, this is not a time for civil disobedience, but being a model citizen in the first, first in heaven and on earth. And he it lists a couple things. You know, Paul teaches that um, as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, the government provides us religious comfort, not liberty totally get that uh, persecution in the form of removal of religious comforts is not a biblical or valid reason for our civil disobedience well for one um, biblically we have to hold the government to this standard so right, right now this is this is about you know this is answering a universal with the universal yes. it's not giving you 
any meaningful substance. Okay. Yeah. I should be a, I should uh, not do civil disobedience because I should be a model citizen. Those are two massive. No, uh, again, a model citizen that, yeah. of heaven is one yeah. who does things that's honoring the Lord and making yeah. that the preemptive and primary yeah. piece in your life. Um, I, again, not trying to be mean, not yeah. trying to be negative in this. Um, but my thought as a pastor essentially is no, there becomes a point where we're going to say, what is our ultimate standard of authority? Is it to make the government happy or is it to make God happy? How do yeah. we hold the government accountable? We do hold the government accountable accountable. Jesus said, Herod, that fox, Paul was very clear when he stood before Festus and Agrippa that their ultimate need was not even to weigh out the mechanism by which he was guilty or unguilty. Their ultimate need was to respond to Christ. And so we want to hold the government accountable always. And the Christian who is consistent with their decision to follow the Lord, their Christian who is committed to doing what God has said is going to hold the government accountable to what God's word says, just as they would anyone else. Even if they're a lost person, you're still going to hold them accountable to God's law. Why? Because God does. Yeah. And so it's one of those things like we can be, we can show like, I mean, this might be a false dichotomy that we can disagree. We can protest while still honoring the yes. government. So here's here's the problem in that in, in that idea is because we are to honor the fact that the government is something that must exist. What in is a fallen the ultimate world, way right? that you honor the yeah. government by yeah. holding it accountable to what God has said? Yeah. So you know this is where you know some of us uh, in especially in reform land can be more libertarian and go anarchist. Well, God says no government must exist. I have established government. Right. You must honor the fact that I have instituted government. And so you need to submit here so you can't be, you can't go um, to the uh, anarchy land where there is no government. That's not biblical because then you're definitely fighting against God whenever you say there should be no government um, like that. There, sh- there should be government. God has instituted it. But so the government, government is yeah. wrong when it tries to tell you that you cannot meet yeah. for worship. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes. But that is true. Yeah. So, so Why? whenever we think about, the Old Testament, um, you know, you think about Uzziah, King Uzziah. He was a king. What did he do? He tried to be a priest. Yes. What happened? He died. Strange God killed fire. him. <laughs> yeah. Strange yeah. fire. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. So whenever the king, which would be our government, when it, be, try, when it tries to become the priest, it needs to be dealt with. That's right. And so we have a voice in that. So that, you know, so we, what we need to understand is the particulars in this to be a model citizen in this is to use the system that we have, the re, the, the, re, the constitutional Republic that we have with the means that we have, we can protest. We can talk about it for one. So don't suppress people and tell them just, just go with it for now. We can go with it for now out of grace recognizing so again i made a post saying that grace doesn't turn a blind eye that's right because christ died and he was a gift of grace for us but that means that god did not turn a blind eye to injustice and i would say again unequivocally there is a point where christians need to if you, you want to talk about hard decisions i don't want to use this individual's name because that's not fair uh, if you are going to talk about hard decision the hard decision is when is enough enough Where do you draw the line? Look, I think that it is incredibly important. When I go to Kansas City tomorrow to go to the doctor, I'm going to put on a mask. Why? Because that's going to make those people feel comfortable and going to make them feel better. Uh, Likewise, it's going to protect anyone from me, right? I am 100% for that. 
at our church, we made a decision. We're going to do the best we can to social distance. We're going to mark off pews. We're going to let people sit in sections. That is the same type of distance that they're going to have at the grocery store. Yeah. We're actually being consistent. Yeah. And I think that churches are good and right to be consistent. I think they're wrong to say, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do anything. We're going to continue to allow people to be, I believe, very spiritually hurt by not being in the body and the fellowship of believers. I don't yeah. think that, we, again, at our church, we're going to tell people, and I'll, we'll have a video released here pretty soon. I don't think I'm doing anything crazy by saying this. We're going to tell people, hey, don't hug, don't shake hands. Keep a good distance. Why? We want to respect the government. They've opened up this door for us. We want to demonstrate that we are certainly going to comply to reasonable things that is in the public interest. And yeah. it isn't in the public interest for people to meet and worship. Why? Because God's people getting together is going to have a better impact on all of humanity and all of society as a whole. I can tell you that unequivocally. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same thing. Whenever Pharaoh wouldn't let Israel go you know, their three days journey that he asked him to, they could have easily just been like, well, you know, Moses, he's not letting us out, but we can meet here. No, that's not what God wanted. That's right. And so God has established the family. He has established the ecclesiastical and he has established the civil magistrate. There's three circles of government and they do not go into each other. And so we need to be model citizens and step up because there are people that are being oppressed. There are homeless people that were oppressed because of this, because they could not go into a public restroom to go or to wash up or something like that. And so, you know, so there was, there were forms of oppression. Certainly there were forms of, you know, I could have been like, fortunately there was a police officer off in the distance watching me stand really close to a guy at the victory mission that I know that I was ministering to. And I think it's a loving neighbor, according to Christ, to be able to go up that guy and pray with him That's and, right. and, and be close to him because that shows affection to him. He's a, you know, and so, you know, I could have stood six feet away, but you know, it's just like, I wasn't afraid of him. He wasn't afraid of me. Um, so we never got sick this whole time. I, I guess my and issue, so that's me loving neighbor doing and being able to walk up to him and, and, and take care of him the way I needed to take care of him. And I guess one of the things that would be my ultimate issue in this is according to what standard should we not practice civil disobedience? Yeah. It's actually obedience to God's law yeah. when we say, no, we're, we're going to meet. No, we're going to love neighbor yeah. by giving them their ultimate need, which is the gospel. Yeah. All and right. then, you know, point three, this is a season. That's all it is. Well, you can't do that because right. we're not, we're supposed to say, this this is just a season, Lord willing. That's right. You can't tell people that this is all it is because you haven't um, got the preponderance of evidence yet until it's all over. You don't know. Yeah. So you don't know. So and so is, that's a real yeah. problem. Like, yeah. Again, we said at our church, this is a short period of time. We don't know how long this is going to last. We're going to do our best to make wise decisions as a group of leaders for your well-being spiritually and physically. But your spiritual well-being is by far the most important thing. So to say this is just a season, again, you don't know. Again, what happens when COVID-21 shows up, yeah. right? Oh, now, nope, we're not even going to allow the, we're not even going to allow the media sharing of sermons because that creates a pattern of people wanting to have to get together for church. That's that simple. Yeah. Like literally we have seen how simple it is for media on the internet to shut down messages that people don't like. Like that's the reality. Yeah. And yeah. so no, to say it's just a season, 
We don't know that. We don't yeah. know how things could go. Here's what we do know. We need to submit to God and what his word yeah. says. Now and we, we can, know that for sure. Again, we can listen to the government officials and go, we don't know. So let's be gracious for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that that's 100% reasonable. And so, you know, so you're free to not meet for a couple of weeks and just lay low and see what goes on. But then what, what do you see out of this? You still, you're, you're following their fear. So you're not getting rid oh, of fear. Let me say this too. We're acting out of uh, fear. Let me just say this too. Uh, for me, as a Christian, I don't think the civil disobedience of taking to the street with protest signs against the government is the right way to go about it. I have certainly serious problems with that. But to say, no, we're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to obey God. Yeah. Paul was very clear that even though he was in a time where people were telling him, don't share the gospel, Peter and John, when they're taken before the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees, the high council, and they said, don't share the name of Christ anymore. Their words in Acts chapter four were, we will obey Christ yeah. rather than man. We will obey God rather than man. That's actually the yeah. direct quote. Yeah. Yeah. And so then also on the other side is it seems like in this, like a lot of uh, churches are going, well, you know, and, and I have a problem with everybody going because it's my right, because of my right, because there is a heart issue that needs to That's be right. So we can't generalize, but in the particular situation, we need to look at, okay, what is this person saying? Where are they coming from whenever they say my right? But we got to understand that Paul did also appeal to rights as a Roman citizen to see Caesar. So there is a righteous way to also go, this is my country, my man's law right um, that you must be consistent with because it is the law of the land. So, you know, we can do this. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff going around. There's so much generalizations going around. There's so many universals going around, you know, and I, I mean, I, I'll, I can put a fine point on it and I'll be like, theonomy is the issue um, in these understandings because to be able to consistently um, be able to do what I've challenged people to do would be to can be like the old Testament law is still in force. And that's the law by which we can hold the government accountable. Um, and we need to understand how that law works in the new covenant context, but it's still in force um, and it still judges people. It still falls on people. It's still what God's going to judge people by if they're not in Christ. And so, um, you know, that might be the fine point issue is why, why do you see a lot of people when we talk about civil disobedience that would uh, you know consider civil disobedience, but they're wishy-washy, and I think it would be on a theonomic issue um, would be the issue. So I, you know, I have no problems with with my brother. He's you know this 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 guy has been a part of my life um, in a big way. Um, but you know, we've had philosophical differences. I saw this, and I was just like, you know, I I've got to speak to it if he wants to respond. Um, and, and come out. We didn't and, use his name, I didn't but, he wanna, did, I, yeah, but he did put yeah. something in the public, so we're not being yeah. like facetious with that. Yeah, yeah. So this is out there and stuff, So you know, but I thought this would be a good uh, talking point um, to any of you guys out there. If you guys are hearing, you know, civil disobedience, civil disobedience, and hey, this is let's not do it, let's not do it. And it's not trying to find a middle ground to find a middle ground. We're not trying to do a Hegelian synthesis here. Um, just just to get something middle because we're trying to reach up to the truth from and transcend ourselves upward. Um, but the fact is, is whenever we're talking about this, we can't answer universals with universals and expect people to uh, actually be satisfied with, and they should be unsatisfied. Um, but that's just a problem I see, and it works itself out in other situations too. When people are going through problems, like say with their faith or um, just just different things like that to where it makes people spiritually depressed um and and 
and that's just not good. And I saw, so I've seen it. So I saw, thought in this situation, this would be a good talking point, uh, especially coming out of what we're coming out of, because we should not still like, just because I have a job now, um, you know, and, and I can be grace gracious to the really, really tough restrictions that I have on me as, as a barber and, and, and a building and all that kind of stuff. You know, I can be gracious and say like, okay, this is what, let's just follow it for now. Let's show grace yet. It's still, they, they are extending themselves a little too much. And I understand it's a comfort issue. If it's a comfort issue, it's just a comfort issue. Be gracious. But when it comes to my local body, when it comes to my brothers and sisters that where the head is, is Christ, um, the government has no say and to be able to then fine them if they don't comply. So, you know, again, we say amen to the, the brothers and sisters that are going against uh going against the the order and meeting you know and i just hope that they're prepared <laughs> you know to to uh take it from the government if they so choose but hopefully in the situation um they'll be exonerated so you know doing you know being doing the righteous thing despite what the world thinks i think is actually being a model citizen um because you are a oh, citizen yeah. of heaven yeah but see those are those particulars that got to get work out you can't just stop right there <laughs> Uh, so but anyway that, i thought that was a good uh warm-up a good yeah. starting point um, no very very good that, i enjoyed hopefully that. that was teachable hopefully and if you guys have anything to hit me up with and hit up with, you know um we'll keep the conversation yeah, always going. we're always excited to get uh, articles thoughts and um responses to things so please be be comfortable knowing that we'd love to hear back from you with that said we're going to call out an individual that we've called out before uh russ yeah. dean who writes for the baptist News Global. Uh, Russ Dean is a pastor in North Carolina. Is that right? Yes. And uh, he's pastor, co-pastor of a Baptist church. I have reached out to him a few times. Love to debate him on the topic of uh, the atonement because he authored an article just after Good Friday. So we're... Um, no, actually, April twenty fourth is when he ordered this. So we're not; it's not as old as it sounds. And of course, it was about the atonement, not the extent of the atonement, yeah. but the what does the atonement accomplish? Yeah, and just to let you guys know, this church was a part of the SBC until two thousand seven, whenever they left because they wanted to ordain women in the ministry. Plus, you know, there's the other inclusivity thing. So this would be like the uh, the Baptist PCUSA right now. Or yeah. the uh, the Baptist kind of ELCU, where you have just so, rampant inclusivity. You have just just stuff and, flying around. And everywhere. We reached and it's out. All considered on we reached out justice. to Russ Dean before, and I've asked him to respond. We're not trying to be disrespectful. We're not trying to be mean or bombastic in the way we're dealing with him. While we might be a little bit intense at times, the reality is what he's saying in this article. We need to get our theology straight. It was not God's intent that Jesus die. You can see I shared the article on the live feed there. And with that said, uh, we want to respond to him basically line by line. And so uh, Adam has a copy of the article. I have a copy of the article. You're certainly welcome to pull up the article and kind of follow along with us. Rush Dean here with his statement is essentially saying that penal substitutionary atonement is not legit. The penal substitutionary atonement doesn't work. It's an antiquated theological position that is uh yeah, problematic totally, yeah and it's totally irrelevant today is yeah, that, that's that's, what, that's the that's real the key thing. piece so yeah. uh, i'll begin to read out and make sure you uh let me know whenever you're ready to stop and uh, you can just interrupt me if you want <laughs> go for it in the aftermath of this unique easter i am thinking of the cross its place in the easter story its role in christian theology its unquestionable power to draw many to god and its equally distinct ability to turn others away 
So he begins by saying that the cross uh, repels people. And then what he does right after that is he... Uh, he quotes 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And then he says, and we who understand, understand. But do we? <laughs> but it should be the challenge of the cross, not bad atonement theology that is foolishness. So with that, he's making a very clear statement. Penal substitutionary atonement is foolish. It is a problem. And also with that statement, he's making a charge that the cross is not the atonement of sins. It's an example. What did Jesus accomplish in his death on the cross? According to Russ Dean, it was he provided an example for each and every one of us to follow. Well, I can tell you right now, scripture does not call Christ's death on the cross a example. It says that it is a propitiation for our sins. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4, talking about Jesus, is very clear. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. In other words, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah has a massive problem with what Russ Dean is saying, and we're going to get at the heart of well, what. See that, yeah, maybe that only worked for them back then. It just doesn't work mm. now. It just doesn't work now. So and that you know, would be the idea so that we're going to see. Yeah, everything is relative here, Dave. I'm thinking about the cross and my cross shaped theology in particular. After a conversation with a dear friend on a text message in our dialogue. Excuse me, one text message in our dialogue changed his perspective and gave him new understanding. I think the cross doesn't sound so foolish to my friend now. God doesn't seem so angry and mean, and Christianity doesn't seem like a fear-filled groveling, but a lived response. Now, I just want to make sure real yeah. quick, he has not gotten at to the uh, gotten to the point yeah. here yet in this introduction why Jesus wasn't supposed to die, why that was not God's plan. Of course, that does run counter to Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, where it says that the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world does not deal with that reality here at all. He's yeah. basically building a case to say that, oh, it is such an evil thing for God to kill Jesus. My friend who's an atheist thought that it was a bad thing. That idea of Jesus being the payment for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for the sins of who would, those who would repent and believe. My friend who's an atheist thought that was bad, and that I'd say, yeah, yeah. I, I'm and not so, surprised. And so, like, whenever Peter, whenever he realizes and sees Jesus, right, and he ends up saying, go away, you're, you're too holy for me. I am not holy. You are holy. Is that fear-filled groveling that they're talking about? So, is Peter's experience... Um, something that should not be experienced. Should have Peter not really experienced that? Was was Jesus being a meanie whenever that happened to Peter? So this is you know again, are we in relativism? Like somehow in the twenty first century, um, you know, back then for Peter that's what was needed, but now it's not needed anymore. So we don't need to worry about Peter and and his story or anything like that. You know, so this then disconnects. Um, the scripture from any way to even contextualize even the story that makes the example like why is christ why is christ relevant if this stuff isn't relevant so like why does christ get to be relevant here just as an example you know so again this is just the absurdity of it but it goes on um it says in those days or in these days of eastertide 
And as the 21st century Christianity continues to struggle to make its message relevant to a skeptical, increasingly secular, even anti-religious culture, maybe this is a conversation that needs to be shared. So he's saying that uh, Christianity is uh, irrelevant. And I think Christianity is actually irrelevant to Russ Dean. I think this is definitely projecting. <laughs> it's it's relevant to him. It's not re- irrelevant to the world, but because he thinks it's he thinks it's irrelevant, then therefore it is irrelevant. So this is kind of a self fulfilling prophecy for him to write on. Um, it says the message of the cross is foolishness. The message of Christians doesn't have to be. Here's how the dialogue with my friend transpired. So we had uh, just posted an image to our church's Facebook account, a message for uh, Good Friday, when this friend texted to ask me about it. Many of the free Google images for this holy day ring less than holy to me. Bloody, some downright grotesque. They speak a theology that no longer speaks to me, an atonement of appeasement to an angry God, an appeal of guilt and shame to a fear-filled people. And this is a gross misunderstanding of what the atonement actually is. Oh my goodness. And see, that's the problem. Rather than dealing with his friend on what the atonement actually is, which is a... Uh, sacrifice that is provided by God on our behalf, he rather demonstrates an incredible inconsistency with his knowledge of the justice of God and the holiness of God. Rather, what he wants to do is focus on a man-centric concept about the atonement being evil, which is a position of atheist. Of course, they don't understand that. They're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And because of that, they're of course going to look at it as foolish. And he, rather than correcting his friend and showing him the foolishness of his ways by saying, who are you, a man, to judge God and his righteous and his holy standard? Rather, he appeases this idea of his friend saying God is evil and thereby creating a really bad mishandling of scripture. Of course, scripture is not his foundation by which to try to, um, again, deal with the atonement or the reality of the atonement. He's saying again that Christ was to appease God. No, God has a righteous, holy standard that man has to live up to and has failed to live up to. And therefore, God provided for us because in sin, in choosing sin, in choosing to, uh, rebel as Adam and Eve did when they said, we don't care what God says. God has provided a sacrifice. I mean, go all the way back to Genesis chapter three. What happens in order to cover their nakedness? God provided a sacrifice in the clothing that he put on them, demonstrating and showing again, a very Christocentric position about what everything he was doing was going to do. If you go to Genesis chapter three, you can see already the work of the atonement was there. He's saying that God's plan was not for Christ to die. He then has to have some type of open theist position to say, well, God's not sovereign over his creation. God doesn't have rule. Like all of these things are completely uh, up in the air, according to this guy. Well, unfortunately, I mean, here's the other thing is we haven't even touched on that. We only touched on half of it and half the issue. Um, And most of the times whenever we're talking about uh, Christ being the perpetuation for sin um, and we're in, we're in Easter time and we're talking about all this stuff, we never touch one major half Mm. of the whole issue. That's right. The biggest issue. We are too focused on us and our sin and our need for our savior. Yes. Have you ever thought, again, it's, it's that same sort of like, realization that i've had in my life and i had to to go 
wow whenever I heard it. But just it's it's that same sort of thing whenever you hear James White um, in his debates go. You know, you you hear uh, Esau or uh, Jacob. Yeah. I love Esau. I hated, and we go, how could he hate Esau? But it's like, no, no, no. This yeah. it needs to be upside down. That, like, why yes. did he love Jacob? Now, whenever we're talking about what Christ did on the cross, most of all, here's the big point. And if you haven't heard this before, it's scriptural. How about this? God vindicated himself. Oh. Romans 3, 26. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Christ um yeah and actually we need to go a little bit before that god presented him as the atoning sacrifice in his blood received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because he's his oh yeah in his restraint god passed over the sins previously committed david should have been struck down the first time actually he said in sin did my mother conceive me he should have never been born why did god allow any of us if we go astray from the womb, why do you allow any of us to be born, take our first well, breath? Yeah, and as R.C. Sproul makes so clear, the holiness of God, the very fact that God does not strike us all down, that's an amazing example of mercy. It's very yeah. clear. And one of the things that Rustine hates is this idea that humanity is under the wrath of God. Why? We're rebels. Yeah. We're God haters it's so clear romans chapter 3 and then of course jesus is really clear in john chapter 3 verse 36 whoever believes in the son has eternal life whoever does not obey the son shall not see life but the wrath of god remains on him you can say what you want about god's about an angry god no we're the ones that are god haters we're the ones who are undeserving of anything. You've made this a man-centered idea yeah. rather than a God-centered idea. What is the ultimate glorification of God? He, excuse me, God saving his people yeah. for himself. So, yeah, so whenever you read the Old Testament, you should actually be mad that God does not kill everybody. Exactly. You're mad because he kills everybody. You should be mad because he doesn't kill everybody. <laughs> So why is that? So who is Jesus? He was the one that justified God. David kept on crying out in the Psalms, vindicate yourself, vindicate yourself. And in the fullness of time, Ephesians says, he sent his son, right? In the fullness of time. So he passes over sin. You should go, God, you are so unjust for winking at sin, it seems. You have done nothing because you're not appeased by the blood of goats and bulls. And David recognizes he's not appeased by goats and bulls, but it's a contrite heart, a pure Heart. You know, Abraham was reckoned uh, faithful by his just his faith. He was reckoned he justified by his faith. Same thing in the new in the new covenant times. But you should actually read the Old Testament and go, "This God is unjust because He's forgiven people and He's done nothing." Bingo. Like bloods and, and they've okay. done nothing for it. Yeah, but they've done nothing. Jesus to deserve comes it. on the scene. He dies not just for us, but He vindicated God. And so, until you get that, like, again, these are two co-equal truths that have to be discussed. Mm. You can't lift one above the other. He vindicates himself through Jesus, so he intended to send Jesus on the cross because he didn't kill us, and then he saves us from our sin and justifies us, And uh, because whenever God sees us in the future, he sees his son because we are wearing his clothes. Yeah, let me jump down real quick uh, yeah. on page two here. My friend wrote to say, and he's direct quoting his friend, I've always interpreted 
He died for our sins as a ritualistic sacrifice to appease someone slash something. But your explanation couches Jesus' death in terms of a lesson more than a straight-up transactional sacrifice. I can't imagine why he didn't ex- why they didn't explain this to me when I was eight, 56 years of subliminated guilt resolved in one text message. This is a good Friday. This so church didn't explain it to him yeah. because it's a false doctrine. Yeah. By this doctrine, by this idea that Dean is proposing that Jesus is just an example, nothing happens to your sins. Your sins are never forgiven. That's not why Jesus died. God didn't have a plan. He did it as an example for us. What is done with your guilt and sins so in if, this if, world? So if Jesus died as an example to us, so should I then die and tell people that if I die, they're covered, they're okay? So is that the example? Like, what's the example? There's no particulars here. He's just saying it's just an example. Or am I just supposed to? Am I just supposed to take the death as a metaphorical, like a real death? Metaphorically, that's why means, this atonement position yeah. is not only so yeah. weak; it's rejected because it's not scripturally sound or scripturally backed. The idea of the atonement as example doesn't atone for anything. That's the problem. Nothing happens to your sense. So, according to Dean, we're not brothers in Christ because we haven't been unified by the covering of the Passover lamb in Christ Jesus. Jesus was so clear uh, that that's who he was. That's He came to save a people. How did he save those people? Well, Paul makes it pretty clear. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scripture. Christ died for our sins. And this is what we had to talk Notice about. Notice there is no, Christ died as an example. Yeah. No, he died for sins. Now, it is an example, but, you know, whenever you're talking about prior to that, um, say on Monday, Thursday, I got to write a, a little thing about that. Whenever we think about uh, washing the disciples' feet and uh, calling them to love one another as he has loved them, um, that's not just universalistic. He actually did... Uh, like just speaking universals, he shows them particularly by the foot washing thing, but then it goes on to, yes, his, his, uh, his life is an example um, of what it looks like to love somebody and you're supposed to die, but that's not it. And if that's where you stop and you don't talk about the atonement, then if we're not, if he did not atone for our sin, then we're still dead in our sins. And no matter how much love we well, have. Well, and here's the problem. That's the problem. It goes to this next paragraph. Like too many people whose stories and lives call out to me in my vocation as a pastor, here is another who left the church because of the church. The stories abound. In most cases, the plot follows a similar trajectory, a theological claim that can't stand the scrutiny of the hard, honest question of a thoughtful churchgoer manages to turn God who is love into a distant judge, a capricious dictator, a bloodthirsty tyrant. The church loses another of the faithful. No, here's the problem. Dean, you didn't win anybody to, to Christ. You didn't win anybody to reconciliation with God. You want them to an idea. That's about it. You've extracted love from God. Bingo. You've abstracted. So you're worshiping an abstraction, not the God of Scripture. And your lack of ability to do biblical theology, simple biblical theology, demonstrates you didn't do much in your seminary. Yep. 
And so, yeah, where does it say that Christ didn't die in the, uh, it wasn't God's intention. Yeah. So, uh, we need to learn to say it plainly as Leslie Weatherhead taught me years ago in his book, the will of God. It was not God's intent that Jesus die. Wait a second. Wait a second. Revelation chapter 12, verse eight. Oh wait. Isaiah chapter 53, 53. Yeah. 10. Verse four. Let's see here. It wasn't intention, but yeah, if we go back to Isaiah 53. And no, so, no. And this, you and go all the, the way is, back to Genesis chapter oh yeah, 3. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. You can go back all the way there, yeah. But, you know, whenever we look at, uh, I mean, I lost my uh, bookmark here, but Isaiah 53.10, um, it wasn't God's intention, but then why did he take pleasure in it? And so, if you're going to say, well, that's the Old Testament, well, you need these Old Testament passages that speak about Jesus Christ, um, because this is how he explained himself. Um, to the P and this is really awesome because, and this is just an aside. This is where I, things I, I get went, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I went to, uh, so I saw what associations, um, they were a part of, and they're part of this association that touted, like, we were just like, we're like the people on the road to Emmaus and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, so you don't recognize the real Jesus at once, <laughs> 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 you know, I just want to do that. But it's just like, no, 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 no. Those guys heard the scriptures, the scales fell off their eyes. So you do need Isaiah 53, but it says in Isaiah 53, 10, yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days. And by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. The so lamb slain was, before the foundation of the world too. Just want, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but I was going to say it was God's intention to do that. And so and also in this, you know, when we're in the Old Testament, we don't have uh, the full revelation of the Godhead of the Trinity. And that's what happens in Christ. And so this whole article is uh, either, uh, I guess, oneness or modalist at minimum. It was God's intent that people listen to Jesus, follow Jesus, and be changed by Jesus. Well, how can he? How can he be changed by Jesus? That's, if he didn't that's my problem. Sin? Exactly. Okay, exactly. So, so do you? So, Russ Dean, if you're listening to this, do you hate the prosperity gospel? Yet also at the same time, like Joel Olstein, go sins. Oh, you mean oopsie daisies? Because that's what you got to do. You're, you're just uh, you're just making mistakes, but you know. Gave it a good college try. So now you're working this. for salvation here. God is always doing everything God can do. So love used the bad to bring about the good. So God had to do that. So God yeah, had, had to do that. No, God planned to save a people to glorify himself. He didn't have to respond. Now Dean has not only erased the atonement, he's now demonstrated that he's an open theist. Yeah, and he's like, and so, I mean, in, in this, I mean, it's the provisionalist. So I guess that he's not even a provisionalist because Christ didn't provide anything but an example. He doesn't provide an atonement. But in, it's, it's only in that, you know, this, is, this has to be a ritual. To, like, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, I guess it's, I, we're trying to explain logically something irrational, so... Yeah. All right. So he says here, and we'll kind of close this out. Most church people could use a good, simple understanding of God, the cross, that does not make Jesus out to be the passive victim paying a oh. price to a bad so, God, making the that? transaction, offering his pound of flesh you, to save us from the wrath of God. Where did he get that? 
because I think Jesus said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it up again. Jesus was not passive. No. So where is he getting any of this? And he's, he's acting as if professor? God had it. No, a seminary, God, or think, think the Lord that he's not teaching okay, at a seminary, but, but he is teaching at a church, which yes. is all the more important. Uh, Rustin, you'll be held accountable for this false teaching. Yes. Um, I, I, again, I challenge you very seriously. You come on our podcast. I'll be glad to debate you. What was the atonement or penal substitutionary atonement is false. Please let's have a debate. You've put this out into the public. Adam or I will be glad to debate you. You can debate either one of us. We'll be happy. We'll get a two on two. If you want to bring somebody with you, that's bring what your wife. Like to do. Bring your wife. Yeah. She's a co-pastor with that's you. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Well, so probably spend enough time on that one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. before we get too heated, but yeah. Yeah. So, go, you know, go watch your time. Yeah. So be uh, weary of, uh, of those guys. You know, there is a Baptist, uh, network or it's not they're not really a denomination but there are associations out there that have hijacked the name baptist um and i'm sure they're looking traditional like a baptist except for their they have uh women um in eldership or uh, pastoring and uh, you know they're inclusive so like i said they're like the uh kind of like the way that you see episcopal churches going you see uh christian like some christian churches out there that are going um, they're going the same direction, so there's really no really di- really distinction other than some of them have pedo baptism and some of them have credo baptism. Um, but then again, if you don't need to be safe from your sins, why do you need baptism? There what does baptism go. mean? Baptism even loses its meaning if there's no cleansing that really needs to be made. You just need to change your behavior. So you got moral therapeutic deism. Um, running rampant there too so with that said this is the tag your podcast i'm ray ray and i am dave and solely deo gloria